Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we introduce tonight's guest, we thought that with fall on the horizon, we ought to tell you a little about our ghostly serial killer-laden novel, The Cliff House Haunting. Uh, this is actually the first Thorn and Cross novel, the first one that we ever collaborated on, and um, it began as well, when we started writing together, we decided we were going to try and write a short <laughs> story together just to see how that yeah, that's worked. Work. And <laughs> at the end of the day, the Cliff House haunting uh, <laughs> is the result. And uh, by the way, we had to cut about 50,000 words out of this. <laughs> and uh, we and, 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 yeah. <laughs> And we've been writing together ever since. But uh, <laughs> uh, without, uh, you know, that said, uh, Tamara, tell them a little bit about the Cliff House yeah. Haunting. Yes, it's all about Baron Schnitz and Gruben. And I know three is your limit, Lester. Uh, it's Oktoberfest time. And this is called the Cliff House Haunting. The Blue Lady Walks. Oh, I'm reading the back cover copy. I didn't need to read that. Let me read you the right part. Since <laughs> 18... <laughs> Yeah, it's that kind of day. I had some Schnitz and Grubens, and I'm very silly now. Since 1887, Cliff House Lodge has been famous for its luxurious accommodations, fine dining, and its ghosts. Overlooking Blue Lady Lake, nestled among tall pines, Cliff House has just been renovated by its owners, Teddy and Adam Bellamy, and their daughter, Sarah. Cliff House has not always been a place of rest and respite, though. Over the years, it has served many vices, from rum running to prostitution, and although the cat houses have been replaced by a miniature golf course and carousel, Cliff House retains its dark history, darkest during the Roaring Twenties, when a serial killer called the Bodice River terrorized the town, and a phantom, the Blue Lady, was said to walk when murder was imminent. Now, there's a killer on the loose, and the Blue Lady sightings have returned. The Bellamies are losing maids and guests are being tormented by disembodied whispers, wet phantom footprints, and the blood-chilling shrieks of mad laughter that echo through the halls of Cliff House in the dead of night. The little mountain town of Cliffside is the perfect hunting ground for serial killer and the Blue Lady. Police Chief Jackson Ballou has bodies piling up, and between the murders and the mysteries, he can hardly pursue his romance with Polly Owen and Sarah Bellamy just may lose her true love before they even have their first kiss. Dun, dun, dun. All right. <laughs> Again, very briefly, uh, you're listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamathorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at tamathorn. You can also visit our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at AuthorsOnTheAir.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. All right, tonight we are uh, joined by a new-to-us author, uh, 
this is the first book that we have read from this author, and we Tamara has uh, finished it. She absolutely loved it, whizzed right through it. I am about halfway through it. I'm always behind you for some reason, but I'm loving it. <laughs> but anyway, the author, we have her on tonight. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Shannon Kirk, uh, she's the international best-selling and award-winning author of In the Vines, The Extraordinary Journey of Vivian Marshall, and Method 1533. Growing up in New Hampshire, Shannon and her brothers were encouraged by their parents to pursue the arts, which instilled in her a love for writing at a young age. A graduate of Suffolk Law School in Massachusetts, Shannon is a practicing litigation attorney and former adjunct law professor, specializing in electronic evidence law. When she isn't writing or practicing law, Shannon spends time with her husband, son, and two cats. To learn more about her, you can visit her at www.shannonkirkbooks.com. Her newest book is called Gretchen, and again, we love it. We highly recommend it. But without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, Shannon. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I have just one correction in my bio, though. I need to update Uh something. I I now have three cats. Oh, okay. So I now have three of cats. We oh, love that. Nice. We're cat people. Nice. Uh, we what are. is her name? Um, Harry, Stewie, and Marvin. <laughs> uh, nice. I have a huge kitty named Harry who, uh, <laughs> when Alistair visited, he was sleeping on my couch, and Harry slept on his face all night long. Oh, Harry loves his Viking. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Harry loves me. <laughs> yeah. This is a this is a great book, but um, I, one of the first things that I would I would like to ask you about it just it just kind of jumps out at me, and I'm always really interested in this this uh, uh, as I call it left brain right brain thing. Um, I think of writing as as being very creative and law as being very uh, clinical and and um, you know. Uh, different, you know, opposite end of the spectrum. However, I read somewhere once, I came across an article that said uh, it, was a, it was like the most creative uh, career paths, like like career paths you could choose that would, that would you know, have the most creative and, and, I, and interestingly, law was right up there, like in the top ten. I don't understand that. Is it a creative profession? It depends what area of law you go into. So I'm I'm in litigation, um, and okay. I used to do trials and et cetera earlier in my career. And that piece of it has a lot of creativity. Um, you know, just just being able to get up in front of a jury or a judge and encapsulate whatever your argument is in a compelling way. That's really storytelling, right? Just with facts. Yeah. Um, and there's also a lot of creation of what's called demonstrative exhibits, right, where you are distilling complex evidence into a visual for a judge or a jury. And that is that requires a lot of creativity. So if you're a trial lawyer, you know, there's a spectrum of creativity, I think, that's required. And if you're a trial lawyer, there's certainly a lot of opportunity to apply creativity. And in fact, when I hire for my group, I look for people who have that creative bug and entrepreneurial, whatever that word is, 
bug within right. them. Um, and, and then I, I suppose I, I don't practice tax law, but looking at some tax lawyers and some corporate lawyers, I would say on the spectrum of creativity, they, they, they would probably have to use less creativity. Now, if you get a tax lawyer on and they want to debate me on that, I'm not going to push back because I don't practice it, but, but their <laughs> world is more, is more driven by statutes and rules and procedure. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And that right. is uh-huh. obviously there's less opportunity for creativity, I think. But, you know, look, I, I don't dispute that whatever you read um, ranking the law as a creative field. I, I think that that's certainly true. And, and again, it depends what, what you yeah. practice. Right, right. Well, and you never know. It, you know, I just kind of thought, well, it is the Internet. Who knows? But it, it, it made me think kind of a little bit about what I did know about lawyers, and, and I kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, well, think about it. You've got to get up in front of, you know, a judge and, and a jury, and you've got to, you know, you watch these shows, and it's like they do really, really, you know, it's only TV. You know, I've never seen a real-life case, but <laughs> it's pretty compelling. It's pretty exciting stuff. So I figured that there must be some truth yeah. to it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Speaking of compelling stories, uh, let's talk about Gretchen. This is one of the most unique books I've read, and I think Tamara will agree, in quite yes. some time. So, uh, and I'm loving it. I mean that in a in a in the best possible way. Uh, very yeah. unique. Uh, it's creepy him tell, out. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's one of those I don't want to. It, it, like hard to look away from almost kind of makes you yes. a little bit uncomfortable. And I mean that <clears throat> in a good way, it makes me uncomfortable yeah. in the best possible way. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, it, it, anyway, uh, I can't, I don't want to give anything away, but could you tell our listeners, uh, about Gretchen? Sure. First of all, thank you so much. Uh, I think that that's sort of the best praise to me is to hear that readers think it's unique. Uh. Um, so thank you. Thank you. So Gretchen is, uh, yeah, thanks. I, I, you know, Gretchen is to me uh, my attempt to converge two storylines into one novel, and that is on the one side mm-hmm. have Lucy, who is a 15-year-old teen who's on the run. She's been on the run her whole life, and she doesn't really know why. And then on the other side, she moves into a place in New Hampshire and meets. Gretchen and Gretchen is uh, our our other side of the story, which uh, and, and she would say I would say she comprises the gothic thriller side of things, where she's living in this creepy brick house and she's obsessed with puzzles and she's got her own dark secrets. And so I mm. thought if you take those two storylines and you smash them together, what happens when their worlds collide, uh, and, and how does our main protagonist, Lucy, who is should be viewed as, as the, sort of the main character here, how does she get out of all of this, right, when these worlds collide? Yeah. And so I would say right. that's what it's about. Yeah, right, in her own way, Lucy is very innocent in, of a lot of things. And yet her alarm bells are going off, and she doesn't really know why. It could be nothing. It might be anything. She has no experience, but she's really smart. And, and you do her voice so well. Oh, and uh, Gretchen, 
I, I never knew anybody that bad, but I've known a few Gretchens, especially in high school. <laughs> and you, you're attracted to them, and then you get to their house, and you think, okay, maybe I should go home now. <laughs> you, know, you, you can really identify. <laughs> She's so creepy. I love it. Yeah, she is creepy. She's creepy, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's in a again in a unique way. It's a, you don't quite see it coming. It's yeah. very yeah. Did you uh, do you? Um, <laughs> we know how these questions go because we we get them too because we write too. But I have to ask: Did do, yeah. is she based on anybody you know? Do you know anybody like oh, this she- woman? <laughs> <laughs> He's um, messing with you now. <laughs> you know what? I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know anybody quite like Gretchen, but I will. I mean, right. we all oh. have somebody, right? Yeah, uh, right. I did. I did uh, encounter um, a girl once in college. I'm trying to be careful here. Who? Um, <laughs> who? I may or may not have. Uh, she may or may not have been my roommate for a very short period of time, <laughs> and uh, she she was what I call, and I put it in the book too, a boundary jumper. Um, mm-hmm. to, you know, people who like meet you and then immediately insert themselves in intimate ways in your life, mm-hmm. and yes. it's a really creepy, creepy characteristic. Um, oh, and she yeah. took it. She took it so far that um, we had to call her parents, my, the other people living with us, and threaten to call the police on her if the if the mom didn't come and get her and take her away because it, it got scary. So, Ooh, right. um, you know, yes, it was brief. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't as overboard as Gretchen, obviously, though. She right, just was right. that boundary jumper kind of person. That's yeah. that's a good term. I love that. I'm going to I'm going to hang on to that because we've all yeah. known those people and sometimes yeah, that is the perfect term. We've talked about this, Tamara. You know, Yeah, like oh, frequently that, we have them slight, in our inbox. Yeah. yeah just that slight that slight little twinge that you get every so often and it's like I don't know why mm-hmm. this person is, you know, setting off little alarm bells, but I'm going to trust it. And you know what I think? I think that's probably exactly what it is most of the time, or at least a lot of yeah. the time. It's just a a slight crossing over inappropriately into the more intimate, yeah. a boundary jumper. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. nice. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, you uh, okay? So, what would you say if I asked you which what it is about this book, Gretchen, that you are uh, the most proud of, the most happy about? I am most happy about um, the mother character. I'm trying to do this without um, giving anything away. Yeah, I know it's the chapter's titled uh, "Mother." <laughs> yeah, I'm most proud. I guess I can say of of the character named Mag. She and and I don't know if readers because what I can tell from the reviews, and I only read four and five star reviews. I cannot possibly read below that because it kills me. We, so, we don't either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, we don't read them at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from from the positive reviews, 
from what I can glean, people like Lucy, which is wonderful, and I'm so happy about that. Um, for me, as the writer, though, my favorite character is Mag, and I'm happy yeah. with how she came out. I'll just say that, I guess. Oh, it's excellent, All right. yeah. All right, yeah. and what about, what What was the most difficult uh, the, or, or challenging that, that, you know, maybe hung you up or took the longest or was the hardest to work out? What What aspect of this book was that? Oh, this is so, okay, so I have a lot to say on this, so uh, I'll try to condense it. So the hardest, hardest for me was the, the, the second developmental edits that I had to make. So I'm with Thomas and Mercer. And their process okay. is um, you go through developmental edits with your acquiring editor, who for me is Jessica Tribble, and she's fabulous. I love her. And um, and then it goes to your second dev editor, and here is Andrea Hurst, who is also fabulous, and I love her. The thing that was difficult was I was trying here to combine psychological thriller with horror. And right. um, it's, for me, really, really hard to do. But it was important. I really wanted to do that for this story. And and you know what? I think that there's, in my view, and look, I'm no expert at all on this, but I think Bird Box is a great example of of a blend of genres. Oh, of yeah. Thriller and yeah. horror, right? Yeah, and good I point. Feel, yeah, I agree. What do you think? And I feel like even Gillian Flynn's Sharp Objects is a great blend of genres. And I love that. Yeah, yeah so I agree. I agree. It's hard. It's difficult. And I wanted to do that here. So the most difficult part was the iteration of it that came after the first dev edit had way more horror in it than the final version. And Andrea right. took a look at it and um, – we had to have a number of conversations and how to blend and balance things out, um, and and it was difficult. I had to make some some major cuts and changes, like a major rewrite to some parts, because if you saw the original version, there's there's way more horror. I'll just put it that way. Right, right. Um, well, so anyway, I would say I'd say yeah. that, that you. I'd say that you definitely succeeded. We we I think this is a big part of why this book appeals to us. We are huge fans yeah. of gothics and that that kind of subtle quiet horror like, you know, Rebecca, and you really mm -hmm. nailed that. You you know, plus the horror. We love horror, but we also like the, you know, the the the, the quiet psychological uh part of it and I'd say you nailed it. I mean that. Well, oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm working on it now with my next <laughs> novel too. It's, it's yeah, it's hard, but I love it because I I love I love aspects of psychological thriller and gothic and horror, and I just love to have it all together if you can. Right. So. Yeah, it's great. So now, um, what would how what do you hope readers take away from this book uh, when 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 someone finishes this book? What do you most hope that, that they take away from it? Oh, so my hope with all of my, well, except for my first book, because I have a different hope for that one. But my hope is that people just have a total and complete escape, right? I, like the world is just so dark and, and kind of scary right now. And um, yeah. 
I just want people to be able to be immersed for a while and be entertained. That's really all I ever want. Nice. I agree. Yeah, that's a great answer because it's it's what we need more than anything, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I agree, totally. (laughs) All right, so what are you working on now? Can you tell us anything about that? Yes, and, and I'm really excited about it. So my working title is called The House of Peculiar Fears. Ooh, is, I love that. I hope you um, keep that. <laughs> I hope so, too. Uh, and fears, <laughs> you know how it is. But yes. um, <laughs> fears is spelled F-E-A-R-Z, and it refers to the fears oh. oil family of Maine. So nice. uh, very wealthy family up in Maine. They live in a big, giant Gothic mansion. But it really, really, it's about... Um, it's about a woman, again, it's sort of the converging of two storylines. A woman is kidnapped at the start of the book from her home, and she's convinced it's the Fears sisters of Maine because they took her when she was eight. And you know all this, Spice. I'm not giving anything away. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Convinces them and that they've come back for her again, and so it's a story about why was this grown woman taken now, and how does that converge with what happened to her by the Spears Oil Sisters in Maine when she was eight? And it's just, it, and, and it's two voices. It's the woman, she's 43, 44, and her mm-hmm. um, 16-year-old son. So it, the chapters alternate between the two of them. And so... It's, that's it. Very that's nice. the story. I, I got to work that on my pitch great. on it, but but that's what I'm working on. All right. Well, I good. hope. Yeah. <clears throat> we hope that when you when you uh, when that comes out, you'll. Uh, we're 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 friends on Facebook now, so we're going to keep an eye on you, and we're going to have you back when. <laughs> <laughs> we're watching you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of creepy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of boundary jumping and, you know, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, but he's so again. Cute, we don't uh, mind. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but again, uh, the new book, the new book is Gretchen. It is a thriller by Shannon Kirk. Uh, we, Thorn and Cross, highly recommend this. This is fantastic. We do. Stuff, uh, if you like, if you like gothic, if you like horror, if you like a little of both. Um Shannon, can you tell our listeners one more time where they can find out more about you and your work? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so you can find out um, everything you know need to know about me and buy links at my website, shannonkirkbooks.com. All right. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad. I'm happy to it meet has. you. And and. Yeah, and um, I'm looking forward to finishing Gretchen. Like I said, I'm about halfway through it now. I'm excited to see how it goes, and uh, I'm excited to see what you uh, do next. So, And I mean that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, keep, we'll keep in touch. He does. Okay, thanks for having yep. me. Appreciate it. All right, uh, you're more thank, than thank welcome. you for being on. Yep, thank okay. you for being on. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this is Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live, and until next week, we wish you Haunted Nights. And sweet screams. Thank you for listening.
Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. 